I am not a prophet, but sometimes I have prophetic dreams. Pumping once, now throwing long down the left side. Water has it. He's going in for a touchdown. The Cleveland, this is for you. Throwing deep down the left side. Slaughter is open. He got the ball in the five yard line. I tell you what, those people at left better come on back because this ball game is not over. With the first pick in the 2018 NFL Draft, you turn that up for Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. My DBN brothers and sisters, I'm a Browns fan on my own personal road to recovery. My name is Thelonious7 and you, you're listening to Straight No Chaser on the DBN Network. This is the post-draft May Day edition of Straight No Chaser and you know really, I really really appreciate the community at Dogs by Nature. It's Easy Weave, Monaco, all those guys going back and forth with. And of course, yeah, fourth too. You know, I wanted Darnold. And I wanted him right after the Ohio State game. And I advocated him. Advocated for him, as did a number of folks in the chow. I didn't even believe that Baker Mayfield was a legit possibility. Right up until the front office group added Scott McLaughlin. And after I read some of what he had been saying about Mayfield, I started to feel like I started to feel like I would have to walk the breakfast burritos back. And so I did. You know, initially I watched Mayfield prepare unappetizing burritos and I'm I'm, I'm kind of glad that I did. Because I I was prepared. I was prepared for what I saw on Thursday night then. I mean, actually, I wasn't really prepared, man. I stayed awake. And I made it through the first two picks. I was basically at the night. You know, got like maybe two hours of sleep before I had to get the kids ready. Needless to say, it was definitely a rough, rough Friday morning for me. That was one of those days that, you know, even if I would have slept properly, it would have been hard. You know, and it kind of shows you the kind of priorities that I have. I would rather sit and watch the Browns pick players than have a well-adjusted life. And it's just the truth. I don't know if that's a laudable trait or like a sign of total degeneration. What do I know? But it is true. I had an unbelievable time being but a single dude in a full-on dude avalanche. Easy Weave is a master of ceremony par excellence, and I, once again, thoroughly enjoyed my time rolling with everyone connected with the DBN network. It was great, and I totally enjoyed the discussion, and I totally enjoyed the banter. I really enjoyed talking to Matt Raymer, who was eerily reticent of this Kevin Smith movie character. Didn't. Salsa shark. We're gonna need a bigger boat. I had 
no idea that Matt Raymer is in fact Randall from Clerks. I mean, listen to it. Listen to the brother bring it, man. It's uncanny to me. It's uncanny. Shout out to Mac Miller. You hope what feels good? I hope it feels so good to be right. There's nothing more exhilarating than pointing out the shortcomings of others, is there? <sighs> well, this is the last time I rent here. You'll be missed. Screw you! Hey, you're not allowed to rent here anymore. Yeah! And it's true. It sounds just like him. That's how I feel. It sounds just like him to me. You know, listen to, listen to those Clerks clips. Kind of reminded me of how good of a movie Clerks really is. And as I was watching some of those, I kind of realized that Randall had some good advice for me. For dealing with the post-draft blues during this holiday season. It's true, man. You sit there and blame life for dealing your cruddy hand. Never once accepting the responsibility for the way your situation is. What responsibility? All right, if you hate this job and the people and the fact that you have to come in on your day off, then why don't you quit? Oh, like it's that easy. It is. You just up and quit. There's other jobs. They pay better money. You're bound to be qualified for at least one of them. So what's stopping you? Leave me alone. Oh, you're comfortable, right? This is a life of convenience for you, and any attempt to change it would shatter the pathetic microcosm you fashioned for yourself. Oh. Randall's advice is an awful lot like the advice of Bill Savage. If you really don't like it, you could always go root for Buffalo. But uh, after all, Buffalo did get Josh Allen and just across the state from Josh Allen is, of course, Sam Darnold. But who am I kidding? Really, in the words of the great Bone Thugs in Harmony, Cleveland is a city I come from, so run, run. And without further ado, I'm going to announce for you the picks in the 2018 draft for the Cleveland Browns. Hello, I'm going to tell you the draft picks of the Browns for the people that care and don't know yet. In the first round, the Browns got the first pick and picked the QB Baker Mayfield. In the first round again, they got the fourth pick and picked the cornerback, Denzel Ward. In the second round, they got the 33rd pick and picked the OL, Austin Colbert. In the second round, they picked the 35th RB, Nick Chubb. In the third round, they picked, got the 67 pick and got the DE, Chad Thomas. In the fourth round, round, they got the 105th pick and picked the VR Antonio Callaway. In the 5th round, they got the 150 pick and picked the LB Denard Averton. In the 6th round, they picked the 175th, the VR Demion Radley. In the sixth round, they got the 188 pick and picked the cornerback, Simonian Thomas. Baker Mayfield is our guy. And the fact that I personally would have preferred someone else is completely irrelevant because now the Browns are going to roll with him. And you know what? I do. I feel fine about the football player that Baker Mayfield is. 
He has the ability to make all of the throws, and I believe that he will work his tail off to be the quarterback worthy of the top pick. But, to the peripheral issues that I spoke of, you know, I don't think that Mayfield is Johnny Menzel. And if there's one troop I got sick of hearing about, it's the way that people repeatedly lashed out at Baker's detractors for saying that he's like Johnny Football, when he isn't. And okay, okay, I get it. I get it. He is not Johnny Football. But I foresee Baker Mayfield having some of the same issues that Billy Manziel had to deal with in his time here in Cleveland. And there's two things that I definitely want to make sure that Baker Mayfield steers himself clear of as he moves into the 2018 season for the Cleveland Browns. The first thing is, he's going to have to do a lot better job handling social media than Johnny Football ever did. In my opinion, as the quarterback, he will pretty much need to keep the discussion in the overall media condition on football and not on the extraneous issues of his personal life. As these things only made issues harder for Johnny Mandel and put a target on the guy's back. Number two, and this is probably more important than the social media aspect, Baker Mayfield is absolutely going to have to be more patient in his dealing with the football guys making decisions on this team. Even when they do inadvisable things because, and I mean, let's be real here, his coach, Hugh Jackson, will absolutely do inadvisable things and he already has done some things like that already. Just like the predecessor, uh, Coach Pett did when he was dealing with Johnny Football. And that's basically how Coach Patton earned the name High School Mike. He was playing Mr. Belding while Johnny Menzel was starring as Zach Morris. And at OU, Baker Mayfield was a guy. He earned his way onto the field. But these football guys here in Cleveland spent $15 million on a starter and took him and named him the starter before the draft even took place. And I'm almost certainly that Coach Jackson will have to walk that decision back far sooner than he thought. The trade for Taylor will ultimately end up being a waste. They aren't going to play that guy. It reminds me of the last show that I did a couple weeks ago when I had some some writer commenting on the skill set or the production that Tyrod Taylor brought to the Buffalo Bills in his last game. And here's the piece that was written about him. Sunday was essentially a microcosm of his three years here. He made some great plays with his leg, and he kept the Bills competitive in the game. However, he misfired far too many passes, failed to see open receivers, and and on only a few plays did he throw the ball downfield as his longest completion went for 16 yards. I really appreciate that reading. Thank you. <laughs> you know, there's essentially no reason for you to play a guy um, who doesn't throw the ball downfield in big critical situations with a 23-year-old rookie in the fold. Baker Mayfield is going to have to play, and I think he should play sooner rather than later. Later, And it's going to be pretty obvious. And pretty much everybody is going to know this. But when Jackson elects to keep this rookie on the bench, 
because he's averse to playing rookies because of his experience in the 2017 season. Man, how is Baker going to handle this? And he may not put on a wig and head to Vegas, but what is he going to do? Is he going to start making the coaching staff breakfast burritos? No one knows. And it's a question that you are definitely going to have to ask in the near future. Now at pick four, the Browns were able to acquire Denzel Ward from the Ohio State University. And even though some people would have preferred that the Browns selected the double chub, I'm even, I'm, I'm basically, I'm fine with Denzel Ward. You know, as I said, personally, I would have traded down in this spot. I know that Ward is incredibly athletic. And if he's anything like Lattimore, the value is clearly there. I liked Bradley Chubb. I really did. And I appreciate the physical specimen, the size that he really was. But for me, I would have preferred a trade down. The problem is, there didn't really seem to be the juice to move around this class as there was in previous years. I mean, Buffalo got to the 7. They didn't have to even use their second first round pick to do it. Or even trade into the future as well. And I don't think that moving back, uh, you know, with our fourth pick to 12 and 22 really makes sense without getting into next year's draft. But for me, I think that getting Davenport and maybe Mike Hughes might have been preferable to just getting Ward. This just made too much sense. I do like the scheme fit with Ward maybe more than some of the other guys at the top of the draft, and it's obvious that the Browns did as well. But with pick 33, there is also a lot of controversy surrounding the Austin Corbett selection. And there's been a lot of ink spilled on this guy. It seems clear that with the things that I've read, that the Browns pretty much view him as a replacement to Joe Thomas. It's a little bit concerning, however, because he doesn't have those elite tackle traits, particularly his arm length. And last year, Spencer Drango spilled spilled in, <laughs> filled in at left tackle without having elite traits as well and kind of saw how much his production was affected by this. And ultimately, we're going to have to see where Austin Corbett lines up. He does look to be a solid player, a guy who played with Joel Batonio in Nevada. And he should be able to find a role on this team. I'm pretty sure that it's not a, a reach, but I'm also not sure where he should be playing. And at pick 33, you probably should know who you're getting and where they're going to be coming into the next year. Pick 35 is a bit different, though. We have the selection of Nick Chubb. And for me, Ward and Chubb, those are the two guys that I feel the most confident about their selections. I probably would have done the same things in the same spots. Nick Chubb, for me, is a guy who's vastly underrated because of his injury. But if he's back to form, he's the kind of guy who will absolutely shine in this offense. He is definitely an upgrade from Crow. Crow obviously spent his freshman year at Georgia and... He definitely produced more in his freshman year at Georgia than Isaiah Crowell did. The only thing that I'm slightly worried about is kind of his lack of targets in the passing game. As a freshman, Nick Chubb caught 18 passes, but that was more passes than he caught in the rest of his entire collegiate career. I do think that in the Brown system, he's going to be called upon in the short passing game. But this is where I think that a guy like Rashad Penny might have been preferable. 
Obviously, he was off uh, to Seattle at pick 27. And I, I don't have any problem with Chubb. Between the tackles, Chubb is an amazing prospect. And he could easily end up as a top producer in this class with his explosiveness and his size-adjusted speed score. But after this, yeah, with the trade back and at pick 67, the Browns added Chad Thomas, a guy who plays defensive end. Basically, I view him as a defensive line prospect overall. Not the most productive guy in college, but this guy is certainly a physical specimen at 6'5". It looks like he has the size to be effective in a role, and I kind of think that the key place for Chad Thomas would be to be playing inside on passing downs creating interior pressure on the quarterback. And I think this might be the reason the team moved on from Shelton, to get a guy who could add pressure on passing down since they have Ogunjobi on the early downs to stop the run. To me, I don't really know so much about Chad Thomas. I never really, I mean, I, I actually watched a bit of tape on him before the draft, but I didn't put too much, I, I thought he was going to be a later round selection. Didn't put too much emphasis on guys like this. In the end, we have to see what Chad Thomas is going to bring us as we go into training camp. But certainly, <laughs> as much controversy as there's been at this point in the draft, <laughs> there's definitely no more controversial pick in the uh, 2018 draft class than the one of Antonio Callaway. Now, right away, my friend uh, JB texted me and he w- said that he was worried about the Callaway pick. Worried that he was a troubled prospect. And me, initially, initially, I was happy right away to get him onto the roster. As he is the kind of player that's going to push Corey Coleman to the bench. If, in fact, stays on the field. I want Corey Coleman to be good. I just don't know if Corey Coleman is going to be that guy. My take is that Callaway, a productive Callaway, will make Corey Coleman expendable. That's assuming he can stay on the field, which, of course, with his history, is a decent concern. You know, the last few days, I've heard people rattle off the weapons that Taylor or Baker is going to have working with this offense. And they got Gordon. They got Landry. They got Njoku, Hyde, Johnson, now Chubb, and even Janice. Adding Callaway and Coleman to this. Like, how much better will this offense be from last year? I'm really excited to see what happens coming up forward, coming up forward into the season. And of course, after this, they added Jannard Avery, a, a player who a lot of people on Dogs by Nature were very high on. And I, I definitely can see where they're coming from. This is a very physical, fast linebacker prospect. A guy who's almost 6'1 and weighs uh, over 250 pounds and yet still runs a 4.5940. This team doesn't have a guy with that kind of a build and makeup. It looks like a special teamer to begin with, but he's got the chance to develop into a versatile, versatile situational player in his rookie year. The last two guys selected in the sixth round, Ratley and Thomas, look like developmental players. Uh, Thomas looks like a rangy defensive back with a ton of upside. And Ratley? Yeah, <laughs> don't really know about Ratley. I couldn't find tape on either guy. And uh, while they seem to be able to be the kind of guys who tested really well, 
I would say that they're both long shots to make the roster. If there's one player besides Sam Darnold that I'm sad that we didn't get, it's Shaquille Griffin. Uh, Butterfly, what did you see when you saw Griffin on tape? I was surprised to see how he caught the ball with just one hand. He played better than some players that have two hands. He's also very fast and hyper-aggressive. I think he would have made the defense a lot better. You know, right away, people like to grade drafts, you know, initially, their initial initial kind of snapshot of what this, uh, what this team added into the upcoming season. And to be honest, to me, it's not really about who's being picked. It's also about how these guys are developed. I mean, last year, I liked the selection with Sean Kaiser. But when you play him before he's ready and you tank his value and then ship him off, you're essentially squandering decent value. And I don't know what's going to happen with these guys. I mean, will Corbett just slide into Thomas's role? Or will he end up kind of like Cam Irving, a guy without a real position? Will Nick Chubb's injury history become a problem again? Will Ward be asked to play in a role that he's not accustomed to? All of these things are going to make a difference with this draft long term. But in terms of talent acquired, I would say the score for this draft is about a B- to a B range. They only really need to get one pick right in this draft for it to be successful, and it's the guy at the top. When Baker Mayfield plays like he's supposed to play, this is going to be a decent draft class. We're going to see, have to see how this goes as the development uh, kind of moves itself forward. But for me, Coach Jackson is the one that kind of really concerns me in all of these kind of equations. Listening to this guy just reminds me of last year's futility. I don't believe that Coach Jackson has a remaining shred of credibility anymore. You know, I used to take solace when he would say something like, trust me. Now, now I pretty much just don't. What about when he says a player has a bright future or that he's getting along with great with the front office? Yeah, you know, for me, no. No, no. Coach Jackson said he'd be swimming, but right now his clothes don't look too wet. The truth about the situation is that Coach Jackson essentially has taken an emotion, and it's something that usually isn't done in the NFL. Sashi didn't take an emotion. He essentially got run, but Jackson got demoted, removed from his post as the chief football guy, and unceremoniously put out of the loop. Let's just hope that he can keep himself out of the way and allow his coaches to develop the talent in a way which gives the team the best chance to be great. And with that, we can put this episode in the books. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to make the DBN a part of your day. Please leave a comment in the comment section as it helps to facilitate discussion with you, the best fans in all of professional sports. Welp, that was your dose of the straight shoot. You've been listening to Straight No Chaser. I'm your host, Thelonious7, on the DBN Network. Take care. Gossett is dealing at the 17, 37-yard attempt. The kick is up. It is good. The Browns have won the game. The Browns have won the game in double overtime. 23-20. And the stadium is gone for there.
My name is Spencer Hall. My name is Jason Kirk. My name is Ryan Nanny. And when we combine, we form the, the Shutdown, Shutdown Fullcast. Fullcast. I keep telling you, we're not Voltron. The Shutdown Fullcast is technically a college football podcast, but it's also a show about lawn care disasters, regional grocery stores we love, Tennessee Batman, homeowners associations, Bears and video games. I mean, there's also some actual football discussion, like about coaches having huge contracts or coaches making terrible decisions or coaches saying really stupid things. Or the NCAA saying really stupid things. Yeah, there's lots of stupid things in this big, dumb, beautiful sport. Sometimes we talk about football games. Allegedly. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it deserves to be taken, come find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts like this one. The Shutdown Fullcast. It's not Voltron.